0: Good morning. Well, you know, we started, uh, let's see, was it three weeks ago now? We're talking about, let me tie my shoe before I fall down up here. We're talking about unlocked treasure. I know you think this is an object lesson, it's just my shoes untied, okay? (laughs) Unlocked treasure. And I want to talk about a treasure that, when you first hear this this word, you don't necessarily think it's that much of a treasure. It's kind of like a little vague, a little insignificant maybe. But I want to talk about what that song was talking about. I want to talk about mercy. Mercy is extremely valuable, a bigger treasure than most people could ever even fathom. You know, and uh, you know that there are some things more valuable than dollars and cents or silver and gold, right in your own life and all are there things more important than just money? Sure, there are well, mercy is one of these things that, as we dig into it a little bit it 's just like oh wow didn't didn't know that didn 't understand that, but uh, i'd like to try to communicate that to you this morning. a mother. She once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. And the emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice and justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. Sir, the woman cried. It would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is all I ask for. Well, then the emperor said, I'll have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. And you know, if uh, you're ever driving down the road and you know, you're not really thinking about what you're doing, or maybe you are thinking about what you're doing, and you get pulled over by a traffic cop, and you're really speeding When you roll down your window and he wants to see your license, you don't say, give me justice. You don't ask for justice. If you do, he's going to call up and go, do you have a room available down there at the jailhouse, you know? No. You plead for mercy. Don't give me what I deserve. I was daydreaming. I know I was doing 90 miles an hour in a 35-mile-an-hour zone. (laughs) Don't give me what I deserve, you know. You're asking for mercy. You You don't want justice, you know. And grace is getting... Grace, it's like heads and tails on a coin. Grace is is getting all the good that you don't deserve, that Christ paid for. Forgiveness, answers to your prayers, peace, joy, love. But mercy is the other side. And mercy is not getting the bad, the judgment, the anger, you know, the, the wrath that you do deserve. So mercy is not getting the judgment you do deserve, and grace is getting all the good that you don't deserve. It's really amazing. You know, I was reading about this politician who, after receiving the proofs of his portrait, he had several pictures taken, he was very angry with the photographer. So he stormed back to the photographer, and he said, this picture does not do me justice. And the photographer replied, sir... With a face like yours, you don't need justice. You need mercy. You know. So uh, sometimes we need mercy. No, all the time we need mercy. We don't want to get what we deserve, do we? Because the truth of it is we all deserve hell because we've fallen short. We've missed the mark. We've sinned against Almighty God. Psalm 67, verse 1 says, May God be merciful, and, and mercy is a treasure. Mercy is a treasure. And there's a way that is unlocked for us all, but there's times if we don't understand it, we find mercy is locked, and then we get what we deserve. But we don't want to get what we deserve, do we? No, not at all. But it says, may God be merciful and bless us, and may his face shine with favor upon us. And then it says interlude, which means stop and think about that. So what we want to do today, we want to look at uh, and and discover, understand how to, you know, unlock the treasures of of Almighty God called mercy. It is a treasure that is more costly, more valuable than gold. So let's read uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, out of the uh, Message Bible. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 1, and it says here, It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You were stuck in it, mired. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. And we do that often by what we see on the tube, television, on the internet, the movies, the books that we read. We let the world tell us how we should live. And a lot of that's just fictitious. It's just make-believe. It's just Hollywood, you know. But he says here, Ephesians 2, 2, it says, You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You fulfilled, uh, you filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a whole lot of us. but Instead, immense in mercy, which just means rich in mercy. Instead, immense in mercy, and with incredible love, he embraced us. Now, the best illustration I could possibly give you of grace and mercy is when you go over here to the ocean, And uh, when you go to the ocean you get down there, you walk down through the sand to the edge of the water, what's the thing that really jumps out at you when you see the ocean? Waves. Waves. And that's the best biblical way to define what mercy is and grace. It's another wave that comes from God. And it washes over me and it washes my sins away. And, and I don't get what I deserve and, and with the grace I get all the things that I don't deserve, the good things that Christ has paid for but how many waves are going to come in? The, 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 they're unnumberable you can't count them and, and all night long the waves come in all, you, you may have a tide that goes out but the waves are still coming in and they're still coming in you know, it may recede a little bit, but they're coming in, they're coming in, they're coming in. And that's the best way to define what grace and mercy is. It's it's a wave. It's, it's a wave sent by God. And the thing is, we have to be in the right position to receive that wave. Have you ever been to the beach and, you know, out there, you know, in the, the, the beaches that we go to, there's not another living soul on them. You know, if out there, you have four-wheel drive to get to them, and you get out there and it's just it's awesome. It's majestic. It's beautiful. And off awesome. and uh, taking pictures of the waves and the seagulls and sometimes places we've gone, taking pictures of the seals and things like that. And it's awesome. And you're talking to your family. And I have yet to be to the beach that I didn't get my shoes wet because <laughs> I usually run down there to the water as soon as I get there and don't take my shoes off. And you stay out of reach of the waves, but you turn your back for a moment, then I'll sneak up on you, you know. Anybody ever get your shoes wet when you're down close to the... Okay, I'm not alone, I see. But they're always sneaking up on you. There's an, always another wave and, and a great big one comes in and watches over you, you know. Well, it says here when it's talking about it, it says in verse 4, Instead, immense in mercy and with incredible love he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. He picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us and all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness and mercy upon us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8 says, Saving Is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. Now, you know, what he's saying there is that if if it was kind of left us, we would brag about that we're making those waves come in. We had nothing to do with our creation, our birth in the first place. And we had very little to do with our salvation other than putting ourselves in the right place of faith and receiving the mercy and the grace that he sent our way. But we had nothing to do with the waves that come in, just being in a position to receive them. That's all our part. It is, you know. He goes picks up now in verse 10 and says, No. We neither make nor save ourselves. God does both, the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work. He has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Verse 11, but don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you, outsiders to God's ways, had no idea of any of this. Didn't know the first thing about God's ways, God's works. Hadn't the faintest idea of Christ, you knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises, his treasures, you know, in Israel. Hadn't a clue about what God was doing in the world at large. But now we're learning what God's doing. In the beginning we didn't know, but now we're learning. And I want you to understand the grace and the mercy I'm talking about, That's the good news. It's nothing you and I can do but receive it. Put ourselves in the position to receive it. There are things that we can do that locks us out where we can't receive His grace and His mercy. Although another wave's coming, we're not in a position to receive it. Verse 13 says, Now because of Christ, dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything we're in on what god's doing here in this world what he's here for his whole purpose in this plan. we're in on what the good news is it's not getting what you deserve it's getting all the blessings and heaven throwed in of things that we don't deserve remember grace is receiving all the good stuff that we don't deserve and not receiving all the bad that we do deserve Uh, matthew chapter 18 Verse 21 says, at that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or a sister who hurts me? Seven. And that sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? He's probably talking about one of his disciples who he's having some problems with right now, probably. You know, how many times? You know, should I forgive him seven times a day for... uh, you know, hurting me for for doing something against me? Verse 22, Jesus replied, seven, hardly, try 70 times seven. That's in a single day. Has anybody here ever forgiven somebody 490 times for the same offense? And like they let the air out of your tire, you've got to forgive them for letting the air out of your tire 490 times a day. Now, if they stole something from you, that's a whole different issue. You got to start forgiving them for that and keep the number. And then once the sun goes down and a new day starts, you, you lose your numbers. You got to start all over again. Has anybody ever counted 490 times where somebody's hurt you in a single day? You can't keep up with the thing. So You just got to forgive them for whatever. You know, that's what he's talking about here. So he said, try 70 times seven. In verse 23, it says the kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. And do you know that God's going to square accounts with you and me one day? Did you know that? He's going to square accounts with you by what you, he's given you. And not just your material stuff, you know. But he's going to square for accounts one day. You and I are going to have to give account to God for the, the eyesight we have, what we do with it. We're going to have to give account for our ears and, and what we heard and uh, for, for our words, what we said. We're going to have to give account one day for the hands that he gave us and what we did with those. And the feet that he gave us that, that took us places. We're going to have to give account for all the good stuff he's given us one day. That's, that's written throughout the Bible. So here's a servant who's coming to give account to the king. And it says in verse 24, As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. Now that was the number that the Message Bible uses. And it says, and he couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. They'd never be together again. Slavery, you know. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet, and he begged, give me a chance, and I'll pay it all back. He could never pay all that back in the first place. But he's, he's you know, desperate, you know. And it goes on to say in verse 27, Touched by his plea, the king let him off, the king let him off, erasing the debt. Now that's mercy. He owed a debt. He couldn't pay it. So the king just let him off, you know, forgave the debt. You know, he's not getting what he deserved. What he deserves is to be sold into slavery. That's mercy. Now, In the the book of uh, Daniel, we're going to come right back here, but in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 18, it says, we do not ask because we deserve help, but because you are so merciful. We never go to God. Oh, Father in heaven, uh, I I got some requests to make. I I need some of your blessings, and you know how good I am and how awesome and how wonderful I am and how much I deserve the answers to my prayers. Is that the way you go to God? If you hear somebody praying like that, you better get back so you don't get hit with that bolt of lightning that's coming down here in a moment. We never approach God with what we deserve because we deserve hell, to be honest with you. You know, we go to God because he's merciful, not because we deserve it. Anyhow, picking back up at verse 28, it says, the servant, you know, who had been let off, you know, his, his, his debt had been erased. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded, Pay up now! The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Exactly what he had said to the king. But And he could have paid off that debt if he had been given a little bit of time. But that first servant but he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other other servants saw this going on, they, they were outraged, and they brought a detailed report to the king. They told on him. And the king summoned the man and said, You evil servant. I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asks for mercy? Hmm. Shouldn't you? What about you? Has anybody here ever received mercy from God? All of us. If you're you're sucking air in your body right now, you've, you've received mercy. You have. Have we always been merciful toward other people? This is what we must learn. It is so important that we grasp. The moment we stop allowing mercy to flow through us, it backs up. How many have ever had a a pipe get plugged up? What happens? It's going down your drain. Water just flowing down the drain, flowing down, but it gets plugged up. What happens if it gets plugged up? It can't flow through it anymore. It backs up and goes somewhere else. And if you and I get plugged up so mercy cannot flow out through us, it's gonna back up, not come to you any longer. No more fresh water, no more fresh mercy is coming your way, it's gonna back up and go somewhere else. It's really important. You and I have a whole lot to do whether the treasure called mercy is unlocked or not. The the moment you don't forgive somebody else, you say, Well, Pastor, you don't know what they did. It don't matter. I know what they did to Jesus. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Is that right? So it's really important. If we want the the treasure of mercy to be unlocked, if we want to receive another wave of God's mercy and grace, we must allow it not to only flow to us, but flow out through us. Let me just read a passage here in Psalms 145. It says, The Lord is kind and merciful. He's slow to get angry, and he's full of unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone, to everyone. He showers compassion on all of his creation. Are there some people that you would rather not be merciful to? Some people you go, well, he sure don't deserve it. She don't deserve mercy. Truth of it is, you don't either. I don't either. We may be seemingly good people, but because of our nature, our sinful nature, we don't deserve it. We've missed the mark. We have fallen short at times. Anyhow, it says, you know, when this guy wouldn't forgive his fellow servant, it says in verse 34, the king was what? He was furious. furious. I mean, he was upset. He was ticked. The king was furious, and he put the screws to the the man until he paid his entire debt. I mean, he had forgiven him a $100,000 debt, but now, he says, because you didn't forgive the $10 debt? You're not forgiven anymore. You owe $100,000. You're you're going to go back to the the slaves market. Your family's going to be sold. You know, all your piss, you know, you have forfeited. You have locked up the treasure that I had unlocked for you. This is not a fairy tale. This is not make-believe. This is real, folks. If you ever get to a place where you're so bitter, you can't forgive somebody else who hurt you. you. You've blocked up the pipe and the mercy stops flowing to you. You can no longer access another wave of His his grace when you become bitter and resentful toward other people. That's just the way it is. Anyhow, and then in verse 35, this is how it relates to us. It says, and, and this is Jesus talking, He says, and that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. When you refuse to forgive, you got a blockage. And no longer can the mercy of God flow into your life. You're blocked up with bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. It's just going to back up and go somewhere else. In the book of Matthew chapter 5 verse 7 it says God blesses those who are Merciful. And the word merciful means actively compassionate. It's not just some kind of a stale, you know, vague word there. But it says God blesses those who are merciful, who are actively compassionate. They're on the move. They're doing something. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. They'll be shown mercy. Now I want to show you a little video clip. Have you ever seen uh, The Karate Kid? Anybody seen The Karate Kid as a movie? This is the first one, a little clip of it. And uh, Mr., what's the guy's name? Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi. yeah. Well, I like Mr. Miyagi. He's this little short uh, guy. And uh, the guy he's training, his name is uh, daniel You know, and he's getting picked on. So Mr. Miyagi finally agrees to teach Danielson how to defend himself. And there's another uh, karate, uh, there's a karate school in town, and the guy is, uh, is it okay to say a jerk? Oh, he's a jerk. Even ain't other kid to say it. That's what he was, worse than a jerk. And he was teaching all the guys in his school, you never show mercy, never show mercy. Your opponent is your enemy, you know. Anyway, I want to show you a little clip of this, but now i just going to warn you, there's a little bit of blood in it, okay? So if you don't want to see a little bit of the blood, just close your eyes you don't have to see it, all right? But uh, I want you to see this, see the consequences of mercy versus no mercy.
1: That sucks. I did my best. What did you say? I said I did my best. You're nothing. you lost. You're a loser. No, you're the loser, man. Oh, I'm the loser, huh? Yeah. Now who's a loser? You know, you're really sick, man. Hey. Hey, come on. Uh, Hey. Don't. Going? How does second place feel now, huh? Come on, he can't breathe. Mind your business. You're gonna kill him. Sensei, please, <coughs> you're hurting him. He's sorry, okay? He really is. Oi, <coughs> let him go. Yeah, this feels like he's right. Let him go. I say, let him go. Beat it slow, or you're next. Yeah. 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 To be merciful here, a man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. <laughs> Danielson, ladies, no wait forever. You could have killed him, couldn't you? I- well, why didn't you then? Because, Daniel, yourself, for a person with no forgiveness in heart, living even worse punishment than death.
0: Do we have mercy in our heart? Are we more like Mr. Miyagi? Or are we more like that other jerk instructor who was teaching these kids about show no mercy? God says if you don't show mercy, you'll not receive any mercy. You know, Um, Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And, well, let me just clarify this once again. There are times, right, when you look out there and there are certain people that you actually think, well, they don't deserve mercy. I wouldn't give them mercy. Is that true? I mean, I'm talking about to godly people. You know some people that you're going like, well, I wouldn't show them no mercy. You know? I mean, even as a Christian, a mature Christian, there's some people you look at like, I hope they get what's coming to them. That can become our heart and our attitude. It can be toward leaders of other nations. It can be toward evil people. But see, that's not our place. That's not our place. You know, people are going to reap the things that they sow. But our position is to show mercy when we have opportunity. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, For most have sinned. I'm sorry. For all except pastors have sinned. <laughs> you know what? Pastors, no different than anybody else. Do you know every man, every woman, every boy and girl, no matter how much of a leader or a spiritual position they hold, they need, on a daily basis, to receive the mercy and the grace that God offers. Did you know that? Everybody does. And if we're going to receive it, we've got to allow it to wash to us and through us and extend to other people. But it says, for all of us, and all of us, all of us have fallen short of God's glorious standard. You know? It says in Romans 6, 23, <clears throat> for the wages of sin is death. That's for all of us but the free gift of god this is mercy he's talking about the free gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord not getting not getting what we deserve but but being pardoned being forgiven it's another wave that rolls in and it's been unlocked but if you refuse to forgive somebody else you lock the treasure up so you can no longer access it You can't get down there within the reach of that wave any longer when you're bitter or you're resentful towards somebody else who's hurt you. And I'm talking about, I mean, the people who crucified Jesus, that was pretty evil, was it not? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He forgave them even with his last dying breath. So as we focus on God's forgiveness, we've got to learn that that mercy flows in order for it to flow to me It has to flow through me to reach other people. Has to. That's just the way it is, you know. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Do you remember a time when someone uh, close to you? Avoided you, shrugged you off, insulted you, hurt you, and as time progressed, something happened. A lot of trouble, a lot of problems coming into their life, and they had to come to you and say, "Hey, could you help me out?" And you just, you acted like there had never been a problem between you. You just helped them right out. That's mercy. That's mercy, helping out someone who really hurt you right when they needed it, not giving them what they deserve. That's a mercy. That's the way God has been with us, very merciful. And we must be merciful toward other people, you know. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 20, it says, I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. You ever felt like you hit the bottom? I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope. I remember how I felt to hit the button, but I keep a grip on hope. And hope means a confident expectation for the future. I'm really expecting the best is yet to come. You know, there are some people who have this default within them. You know what, in a computer, when you're setting it up, you get got a problem, and it gives you the option to go back to default the way it was originally set up. You just hit the default, you know. But a lot of people have this despair default. And uh, when you talk to them today, they sound like, like they rehearsed this. They said the same thing 20 years ago. They're talking about all the gloom and all the despair and all the problems. And that's all they ever, they have this despair default. And you could, you could quote it word for word. You've heard it so often. And we need not to go there. There's nothing good that comes from that. Nothing at all, you know. It really isn't. It gets you nowhere. We need to have a confident expectation of the future. That's what hope does. Without hope, you're just always talking about the past, or if you look at the future, it's just always dark and gloomy, you see. But he says here, but there's one other thing I remember, verse 21, and remembering, I keep a grip on hope. Verse 22 God's loyal love couldn't have run out, his merciful love. Couldn't have dried up. Verse 23, they're created new. How often? Every morning. every morning. How great is your faithfulness? The mercies of Almighty God is new every morning. Every morning, you will never exhaust the mercy of Almighty God. You may lock yourself from being washed over by it, and it's just washing over other people. You know, His grace, His mercy just coming in, changing people's lives. But you're out of reach because you can't access it anymore because of bitterness of your own heart and soul. When you, I'm not going to forgive him. You just don't know what he did. You don't know what she did. You don't know what they did to me. It was just too bad. When you choose not to forgive, you lock the treasure called mercy. And it can't flow to you because it can't flow through you. You're plugged up with bitterness and resentment. And then you'll be getting what you deserve. And consequence and things ain't going so good for you anymore. And the best ain't really yet to come in your life until you confess your sin. Say, God, I'm sorry, but I forgive them. And then it begins to wash through you, your life once again. Well, he says in verse 23, they're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over, He's all I got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for the help from God. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, it says, since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must. Y'all remember that word must, okay? Okay. You must, you must, must close your, clothe yourselves with tender hearted. That means, you know, being sensitive. How many of y'all dress yourselves every morning by yourself? That's just a quarter of you. How do rest of you get your clothes on? You just sleep in the same clothes all the time, huh? But he says here, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy. You're sensitive. you got to put on mercy every morning kindness humility gentleness and patience verse 13 says you must you must make allowance for each other's faults you make allowance for each other's faults or you can't wait to find a little tidbit of gossip you know and then you go gossiping and telling and criticizing and judging other people he's like oh wow get something talk about He says, you must. Do you understand must? You must breathe oxygen or you die. You must eat and and take liquids into your body. You say, well, I'm going to go for a month. I'm not going to drink anything. I'm not going to eat anything. You're going to die. You must eat and drink. You must stay warm. You go outside with a pair of shorts on and a T-shirt when it's zero degrees, you're going to freeze to death, hypothermia. You must keep your body warm. You must. It's not an option. And he says here, he says, you must make allowance for each other's faults and, and forgive the person who offends you. You must. If you want the grace and the mercy of God that transforms and changes your life to continually wash over you, you must allow mercy and grace to flow out from you to other people. You must. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, and you must forgive others. You must. It's not like, well, this is a nice thing to do. No, it's a must thing to do. You say, well, I'm going to cut off the oxygen so they don't get no more oxygen. You're cutting off your own oxygen, you see. He goes on to say in verse 14, And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is, is love. Love is what binds us together in perfect harmony. Now, mercy is love. It really is. That's what mercy is. It's active Active compassion. Sometimes it's hard to get mercy out. There we go. Hmm. Hmm. Looks pretty good. Would y'all like one? Hmm. But if I receive. Mercy. I must be willing to give mercy. If I go, hey, I ain't going to give mercy, then my mercy is not going to make it to me anymore. I'm not going to be in a place where the wave of his mercy and grace reaches me any longer. That's what he tells us in his word very clearly. You must make allowance for old people's (laughs) fault and for good people. Mm. Okay. <laughs> you must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Hmm. The Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear, you must wear it, is love. That's active compassion. Love is what binds us together in perfect harmony. In Luke chapter 6, verse 36, it says you must be compassionate. And uh, a lot of other translations, most of them, it says you must be merciful here. But I like it. It says you must be compassionate. That means actively compassionate. See, mercy is, is, is on the move. It's in a form of a wave. Whoosh. It's always a new one just washing over us. And he says here, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate, just as your father is actively compassionate. You must be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful. And then it says, stop, verse 37. Do you understand stop? How many of you came by a stop sign this morning on the way to church? You I don't remember, you know, just went right through that thing. What about a traffic light? What color usually means stop? Red. And if you violate it, oh, you might slip through a time or two, but if you violate it, you know, you can have dire consequences. You can get hurt or hurt somebody else. So stop, I mean, stop it. Stop, you know. It says stop judging others stop being a critic it's real easy he said that pastor it's 213 now he's gonna go over again dog gone that rascal stop being so critical and judgmental i could do a better sermon than he could you probably could but he says stop judging others and you'll not be judged Are are you looking to be judged by almighty god I don't want to be judged. I want to be forgiven. What about you? Stop judging others and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others or 50% will come back on you. What's it say? If you're criticizing other people, it's all going to come back on you. You're going to reap the things that you're sowing. There's going to be judgment. You're going to get what you deserve. You're You're going to get it all. That's what he says in his word. Stop judging others, and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others, or it will all come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven. You will be. That's what he's telling us. You know, after the Civil War, uh, General Robert E. Lee, he visited a Kentucky lady who took him to the remains of a grand old tree in her front yard of her home. And there she bitterly cried, you know, look at the limbs and the the trunk that had been destroyed by federal artillery fire. And she looked to Lee for a word of condemning the North or at least sympathizing with her loss. And after a brief silence, Lee said, cut it down, madam, and forget it. It is better to forgive the injustices of the past than uh, to allow them to remain and let bitterness take root in your life and poison the rest of your life. Cut the tree down. Have a barbecue. Cut it down instead of just constantly letting it remind you and remembering of how people have hurt you and and insulted you and, and threatened you. Cut it down. Forgive because it will poison the rest of you. It gets you plugged up so you can't receive mercy anymore. You can't receive the grace of God anymore when you become bitter and unforgiving. Bitterness, the word bitterness in the Bible, if you, you look it up in its original language, it just means poison. And bitterness poisons you. It plugs you up. And the grace and mercy of God can't flow to you or through you any longer. We've got to forget the faults of others and we've got to forget all the troubles of our past. Listen to what it says in Genesis 41, verse 51. It says, Joseph named his older son, how do you pronounce that? Manasseh. Manasseh? Hmm. You know what Manasseh means? It says, For he said, God has made me forget all my problems, forget all my troubles. Can you imagine calling your kid for supper? hey, forget all my troubles. Uh, dinner's ready. <laughs> forget all my troubles. You going to go out and play ball? He named this kid, you know, to remind him, God has made me forget all my troubles. We need to forget our troubles because if you dwell on those troubles, instead of forgiving them, they just get worse. Look what uh, Paul says in Philippians 3. He says, no, Dear friends, I am still not all I should be, but I am focusing, what's that next word? All my energies on this, what's that say? I'm focusing all my energies on one thing, and this is important. If, if you want to understand how to access treasure, we've got to remember this. I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past forgetting my past and forgetting your past. That's key to accessing the blessings, the treasures of God for the future, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. This is the one thing we got to do. we got to forget the past. We've got to forget the past, what he did and what she did. I forgive them. What Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We saw it demonstrated for us. In the book of James, James chapter 2, Verse 13, it says, For there will be no mercy for you. That's scary sounding. That means there's no forgiveness, no pardon. For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. If you've not been merciful to others, I would encourage you to start today. Make a phone call. Make a visit. Send a text, an email. Be merciful toward other people. Well, Pastor Ron, you know, they just really don't deserve it. That's the point. If they deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy toward you will win out over his judgment against you. I want more mercy, myself. What about you? I want the mercy and the grace of God. I want another wave to roll in over me. Let's see what he says here in the book of Micah. Micah chapter 6. Mm. Mm, that's good. You know, a lot of us need a little sweetening, don't we? Now, I am so sorry. Some of you need a whole box of these things, but I only got one to give you. The ushers will be at the doors with a little bucket so everybody can get them a lollipop on the way out to remind you to be merciful and all. I know some of us, I'll say some of us need a whole box full of them, but we're just going to have to learn this lesson, okay? But he says here, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, to do justly and to, mm, 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 and to love mercy. I love mercy to flow to me. And I love mercy to flow out through me. He says, He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Uh, did y'all know that George Bush was once our vice president? <laughs> Look it up in the history book. He was. Once upon a time, he was a vice president. He was a president as well, but he was a vice president. Anyhow, the article I'm going to read to you is Vice President George Bush represented the United States at the funeral of former Soviet leader Brezhnev. Bush was deeply moved by a silent protest carried out by Brezhnev's widow. She stood motionless, beside the coffin until seconds before it was closed. Then, just as the soldiers touched the lid, Brezhnev's wife performed an act of great courage and of hope, a gesture that must surely rank as one of the most profound acts of civil disobedience ever committed. She reached down and made the sign of the cross on her husband's chest. See, there in the citadel of secular, you know, atheistic power, the wife of the man who had run it all, hoped that her husband was wrong. She hoped that there was another life and that that life was best represented by Jesus who had died on the cross and that the same Jesus might yet have mercy on her husband. Now her heart goes out to her. Now whether he made it or not, I don't know. And we might think, well, he don't deserve it. But could God forgive him if he repented? But here she did. Something that nobody else could have possibly done. They were against the cross. Against the gospel. Against the message of the cross. But she drew on his chest as the casket was being closed, a cross and hopes that what she personally was believing was true, and that God would show mercy to him. But is that not what everybody needs? Doesn't everybody need hope? Doesn't everybody need to receive mercy? Not get what they deserve? Doesn't All of us, even right now, don't don't we need the grace? God's enabling power, God's unmerited favor. We don't deserve it, but all the good that Christ paid for, don't we need that? That's the gospel in a nutshell. The grace and the mercy of God. That's it. If you understand grace and you understand mercy, you've got the gospel. You can share it with anybody because people are so desperate for it. Desperate for the good news. And understand, you cannot possibly share that with someone else if you're plugged up inside and you're bitter. You can share that mercy. You can be merciful and share the mercy of God and just let it flow through you. And I would challenge you today, if there's been any unforgiveness in your heart toward any living soul, today, you'd forgive them and and be done with it. And then, uh, before I'm going to say a prayer and dismiss us, and finish my lollipop.
1: Hmm.
0: Why don't you to listen to a song? The name of this song is When Mercy Found Me. It makes a difference. So, I don't you to look at the words? Maybe sing along if you like to, but see how this affects and impacts you personally. Let's listen together.
1: Grace is all I need And the chains that I was in before Well, they don't hold me anymore His love has rescued me
0: When mercy found me. Has mercy found you? Have you put yourself in a position to receive the mercy and the grace of Almighty God? Are you willing to forgive anybody and everybody, whoever has hurt you, no matter how mean and ornery they were? Are you willing just to forgive? Because God will forgive whosoever. And sometimes we may think that we're so spiritual, you know, that, uh, well, God, you kind of got me going here. You forgave me, got me going. I can handle it from here. <laughs> no, sir. We need the mercy and we need the grace of God. Every moment of every day. But you may be here today and you've not received that mercy yet. You, you've not understood that. You're thinking that, well, I can do a lot of good stuff and God let me in heaven by my works. That will never happen. We're saved by his grace and mercy, not of works, lest we would brag about it, you see. It's his grace, it's his mercy that makes the transition. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, I thank you for these men, these women, the boys and girls who are in this building, Lord, all who are watching online, those who are downstairs in our overflow cafe, we ask your blessings upon us all. As we've heard your word, Father, we, we crave, we hunger for more of your mercy. And Father, we ask that you remove any plug, anything that's, that's damming up the uh, mercy from flowing through us. We release everybody who's ever offended us or hurt us in any way. We release them and we say, be merciful toward them, Lord, and we will surely be. Thank you, Father. We want to be just like you. As our head remains bowed, I just ask you to join me in a simple prayer to receive his mercy. If you've never received God's mercy and his forgiveness, his pardon, all the promises he has made for you, if you've not received them, would you join us and receive them right now? Those of you who have received his mercy, would you reaffirm your faith in Christ as we pray right now together, out loud? Would you pray with Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you. I believe your word is true. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent Jesus. He took my place. He was my whipping boy. He paid for my sins in full. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and is knocking at the door of my heart. And I open that door right now And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I am sorry for my sinful ways. I turn from those things, and I choose to live my life for you. Thank you for your grace. How amazing it is. Thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name. And you know, before uh, we dismiss, and our ushers actually do have some little uh, reminders of God's mercy for you. Don't we still have those guys back there? Don't let anybody take a whole bucket for themselves. That, somebody needs it probably, but just one per customer. Hmm, those are good. Uh, this week's challenge, it says, I will strive to understand the treasure of God's mercy, and freely receive and freely offer it to others. If you go, you know what? I'm going to apply that to my life. Check it off, drop it in the tithe box. If you prayed with me just now and you welcome Christ as your Savior, please stop at the connections desk on your way out. Pick up a gift bag, it's got a Bible and some other little goodies that will inspire your faith. And uh, you also have a. Uh, a gift for all the people who are here for the very first time. You know, a gift, a nice gift. Just to let you know we appreciate you coming. There'll be people around the altar here who would love to pray with you. And I'm going to tell you something. God answers prayer. Did you know that? He's still in the prayer answering business. So if you have a need, you know, don't be bashful to come up and let some folks pray with you. And then I'll greet one another on your way out. And let God's mercy flow through you freely. And don't let yourself get plugged up with bitterness or resentment. Run forgiveness ever again. God bless you. You are this man.